Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This morning's uh, title, talk title for Dharma Talk is Vividly Unreal. And this is taken from a line from the Sadhana of Mahamudra, which we, which we chant here uh, right now once a month. Usually, I think it's we're doing it on full moon, no moon, no moon. In Shambhala centers, uh, it is done new moon and full moon. <clears throat> so uh, just to take uh, the line is, uh, the complete line is, whatever, whatever is seen with the eyes is vividly unreal. Vividly unreal. It's vividly unreal in emptiness, yet there is still form. Vividly unreal in emptiness, yet there is still form. It's like, how do you go about, if you see this, if you see what this is, if you see that everything is vividly unreal, it's, yet it still makes clunking noises, and yet it's still abrasive, and yet it's still completely fluid. If you see this, and it is empty of the reality you were formerly imputing to that. You are formally fighting with that, agreeing with that, taking issue with that, being very political about it because you felt like you could somehow get something, save something, protect something. How do you protect something? I'm not saying that you walk away and leave your house unlocked or do something odd like that. You see that what is fundamentally important isn't threatened. Next line there is Whatever is heard with the ears is the echo of emptiness, yet real. The echo of emptiness, yet real. And then it goes on to use the various teachers of the lineage, this one being the uh, Mikio Dorje, who was what, was he the sixth? Eighth? He was the eighth. Uh, and then uh, Karmapakshi. Padmakara Karmapakshi, this is a, a second. Dusam Kemba the first. Just using various teachers to bring about this. This is something that ancient people saw and transmitted it to their students. I invite you to come and chant this uh, with us. You can look at the schedule to see. Have to do it a lot, not just a few hundred times. A lot. The other one that I wrote down, which, uh, or I could have just asked Kozan, she has this memorized, as others do, the verse 26 from the 30 verses of Vasavandu. As long as consciousness, consciousness, woof, woof, consciousness, was that a real dog? As long as consciousness does not see that subject-object distinctions Subject-object, subject-object distinctions are simply forms of consciousness. It's just consciousness. You could say it's consciousness only. Attachment, attachment to twofold grasping will never cease. Grasping at a self as being right or wrong, grasping at an other as being right or wrong. As long as consciousness does not see that subject-object distinctions are simply forms of consciousness. Attachment to twofold grasping will never cease. This is translated out of the Sanskrit. I'm not sure which translation it is. Vividly unreal. Viv vivid. 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 It's not just unreal. Some kind of spooky unreality or cloudy unreality. Vividly. Vividly unreal in emptiness. Yet there's still form. There's still, still a cement block. There's still a rainbow. Vividly unreal. And how do we do this? How do we bring this about in our mind stream? Regardless of any other stream that's happening, your life stream, your business stream, your relationship stream, all the other streams are coming and going, looking, trying to get, get your attention. Look over here, this, do this, do that. CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, reporters specializing in Vladimir Putin and what he did and said, and all dependent. There was an, 
not unimportant. We need to look at those. We need to receive those. We need to watch those movements. We need to watch where you're stepping. You need to watch where you're going. But if you add on to what you were observing, that it has some kind of validity, some kind of credential, this is twofold grasping. This is grasping at the reality, the relative reality of someone who's done something, the reality, uh, the relative reality of uh, oneself, that we need to do this, we need to do that. We constantly lecture ourselves, not so much to correct ourselves, actually, but to feel like we are somebody going somewhere or not doing so good. Same credential. I'm doing really well. I'm not doing so well. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not, not making any progress. I'm not, I'm not seeing. I'm not aware. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Vividly unreal. The unreality of it can even get more intense. Like I've told a few people on occasion, especially those who have been meditating for a long time. And I, when I say a long time, I'm saying five or 10 years. It's going to get worse. If you think not, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it won't get worse. Maybe your particular karma is more like a string of milkshakes. I don't know. Probably not. But without training your mind, without taking this this continuous cartwheel of illusion of 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 something that is completely vivid, but it's not real. Instead of instead of going with that and trying to make adjustments in the confusion, trying to fix the confusion, trying to fix the bad person who can't do this, can't do that, or who keeps getting caught up in anger. And tries to stop the anger. Don't stop the anger and don't explode either. Don't do either one. Just whatever arises in the mind stream needs to be there because it is dependent on the reason. It's none of your business, even though it's right in the tip of your tongue. It's rattling your eardrums. None of your business. There is no one. That's, that's, the, that's the main illusion is the identity that we think we are a separate being who can win or lose or get ahead or fall behind or be right or be wrong or be executed or be elevated to emperor, empress. We saw the buffaloes today on the way in and we pulled over for a minute because they were running. And we saw, we really need to get a picture of those buffaloes stampeding. There's six of them. <laughs> so we pulled over and as soon as I got the camera out, they all looked around and stopped. <laughs> I don't know if they looked around, but they stopped. So we'll wait for another time. That took time. Uh, that's the reason we're late, right? <laughs> Instead of we forgot stuff, or I forgot stuff. Vividly unreal. It's, a, it's something you can contemplate. This vivid, you don't, you, we know it's vivid. It's incredibly, look at the, what's arising in the sense fields, including the mind. The mind is just another, uh, another uh, eyeball. It's just another... Uh, um, just another nerve ending. It just has a different kind of chemistry or combination of this and that that differentiates it, that makes it look like a sense of touch and a sense of smell are two different things. They're, they're different, but not that much. This is a dream. This is a dream, and the more intense it gets, the more difficult it gets, the more it is incumbent upon us as individuals, as meditators, as people who want to train their minds to see the truth, to practice, practice. Get your butt to the wall, to the cushion. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves. You don't have to join me. You don't have to do anything else. Find out who you are, so there's no doubt. So you don't get your identity from anything other than your own awareness, and you'll find that there's not much there in, in the way of identity. She is unbowing. What, what is form when it is unreal, bowing? Vivid. When I think, she is unbowing, when I think of the word vivid, it has 
clear boundaries or you know, what is it about it that's that is so vivid because it looks like something else it looks separate so we don't try to get rid of the appearance of the separate of the apparent separation and say we're all one which some people try to do they have a have they get kind of a glimpse of it and they try to squish it all together well we're all one no we're not all one we're not separate which is even more of a predicament to the self-centeredness the ego mind that wants control that wants to protect itself that as they say in the yoga chara tradition of seventh consciousness wanting to wanting to protect that which is completely not threatened go ahead cheese i'm buying is it vivid in the sense fields um, all of them everywhere it's probably going to show up the most in uh, in the mind stream, uh, and, but that mind stream can be can be elaborated in terms of smell, taste, touch. Unlikely to be in those areas because those areas are so intimate. It's there, but the place that it would be recognized would probably be in hearing or seeing or the thought process or all of those. She's unbowing the first tenet that you have for the order of immediate light is consciousness always finds its own form yes can consciousness be perceived through form bowing the way you're asking the question no ask it again she's unbowing can consciousness be perceived through form yes she's unbowing how do we relate to consciousness or what what is consciousness so we don't know what it, it is, the isness of it, because we would have to have some something else to contrast it with. This is how we use form, but we, we instead of using that to see that it is uh, vividly unreal, instead we buy into some parts are more real than others, some parts are more meaningful than others, and we torture ourselves and others with those those positions, those those political that political stance. Um, when you perceive something, when something shows up or appears to you, do you see concepts like you used to, as well as seeing it as vividly unreal? Yes. Nothing's changed from the point of view of what's showing up and going away and showing up and going away. I think it just continues to do that. There's just no longer, there never was. So it isn't like even that hasn't changed. It's just that we've just, that the, there's no more veils. There's no, no more cover up of anything. And it's raw and vivid and it's empty of, of, of separation. It's empty of otherness. There's just several words that, that the language itself is built on oppositions. Tisho. Tisho Baling. Uh, <clears throat> the way you describe that once you see through this, you have no doubt. And that sounds like being absolutely vivid or clear is that vividity different from the vividity which is not real or the in normal relative life we see the vivid other and separate separatedness but yes but you know what you ask me yes i was asking to see if there is a difference in the vividity with which we are certain when we are seen through versus yes. the vividity with which we associate our day-to-day -day relative you know something is so clearly there or something is clearly not there that vividity so i was just trying to contrast if there is a contrast between that clarity and this clarity one seems to be true or yeah one seems to be true other seems to be untrue but Yes. You have a question? Yeah. Sure. Is is the uh, unreality what's vivid? Yes. That's surprising. <laughs> yes. Sure. So is that like a, a quality or something noticeable? It is. It is. It, uh, there's no perceiver and there's nothing perceived. When that's seen, then you're, you're speechless. And how I can continue to talk, I have no idea. 
you have no idea what I'm going to say. And it's not an emotion. So there's no kind of emotional aha. You have an aha, it will fade. That's what ahas do. Aha. Aha. Relative truth. Go ahead. Sure, I'm curious about the contrast to vividly unreal. Is it saying that when we're giving things reality, it blurs what's actually there? What's the opposite of what you just said? Vividly unreal. Really? That's what I was asking about. Is that the opposite of that? I don't know. That's what I'm, that's my question. What was your question? Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Further? Junchibowing. How does the unreality look in the midst of the vivid appearance? It looks real. It looks definite. It looks real. It feels real. It, and if it's some kind of being put upon by any situation, causing you anger, causing you causing you grief, that's, that's dependently arisen. There's no one having that grief. There's no one having that anger. There's no personhood there. But that which arises is dependently arisen because it cannot arise without the support of dependent origination. But when it does arise, the way you see that is to see that it's self-existing, that it's not hooked to anything because it's not separate from anything. So it can't, there can't be a hookup. Rangjung, fancy words for it. But you have to see it because otherwise you get trapped in the, well, if it's that, it must be, if, well, if, it's, if that's true, then, and you can go in a, in a, in a, a complete labyrinth of logic around this and they, Quite a bit of that done. They have a lot of fun. Logicians have a lot of fun doing that. I'm not one of those. I can't even do it. I don't know how to do that. But I know what I'm looking at. That's, as I've said hundreds of times, I teach out of what I see, not what I know. Jeez, I'm bowing. What is everything all at once? It's just another way of, of, of addressing the, the imputation that there's a past and a future. The future never gets here, and the past never was. The past is, uh, we might read stories about it, but you might as, well, uh, might as well be reading about the Peloponnesian War. Because it, from the point of view of, of uh, what this is, uh, it didn't occur. I mean, it had an occurrence, and that's what we buy into. We, we want to stabilize that and have a history. We want to stabilize this and have a, a future. Or she's on bowing. Is there any complete view? Yeah, there isn't anything else. Nothing is separate. There's, there's nothing, no one's seeing, and there's nothing seen. She's on bowing. What can we do as students of the Buddha Dharma? Bowing? Continue to train your mind. Use that structure. I take refuge, I receive refuge, I return to refuge, I return to the Buddha, I return to the Dharma, I return to the Sangha. Use that person, teaching person, uh, what is being taught, everything is dependent, there is nothing come from its own side as an individual. And all the ways that is expressed through all the different books that we study, the books about emptiness and fullness, reality on reality, and return to the Sangha, which is Difficult. The Sangha is very difficult because you have other people three feet away from you who are studying the same material and yet interacting with those people in a relative way around the kitchen sink can be very difficult. But that's very important to do that. It's very important to have a Sangha, even if it's only a couple of other people. More? A question from Semi in Portland. What role does physical pain play in the vivid unrealness? <clears throat> well, it's vividly unreal, but that means you really feel, if you actually feel the pain, you, you realize what that is. That is pain. That's the pain of pain, the three types of pain of the pain of pain, the pain of alternation, the pain of the composite, and all the other nuance that can show up everywhere that's, what, innumerable. Pain of pain is raw intense 
and is directly pointing at your nerve endings. You have nerve endings that show up and on your fingertips, uh, in your elbows, uh, in your mind stream, in, in any kind of area that is sensitive, sense of touch and the sense of thinking. The sense of touch doesn't produce uh, uh, further sensation necessarily, unless you start to get fancy with it. You can maybe get some kind of understanding that goes in that area. But the sense of thinking, you're actually sensing thoughts and you're actually producing thoughts. Just the nature of that is to receive and produce. Just like the very, uh, very sense of of receiving a bear running towards you, you produce running the other way. And it, spoken of simply, but fundamentally, though that is uh, relatively, relatively real, it is ultimately unreal. More from Sammy. No, but there is a question from Isaac. Isaac. How do I navigate paranoia when it is so vivid and abrasive? As we've spoken before, just return to the wall. Continue to, to eat that. Don't add on ideas. And if you can, I'm not a doctor, of course, or medical person whatsoever, but if you can, try to do it just with your consciousness rather than with some kind of uh, chemical stuff that comes in. And I'm not, I'm not against you want to take drugs, go ahead, take them, take whatever, take Prozac, take Wellbutrin, take uh, um, cannabis, take, take LSD, take whatever you want to take. Be responsible for that. Know that whatever you do is a kind of uh, attempt to manipulate what's happening in your mind stream. And that becomes circular. So my idea, if I may have one, is... Uh, don't do anything. And when I say that, you could come back and say, well, does that mean don't receive? No, I didn't say that. You have all these nerve endings. Might as well receive what's showing up in the mind stream, in the nose stream, in the ear, in the sound, in the smell, in the taste, in the touch, in the feeling. And that other dimension that is so difficult for us to deal with, and that's the intermediate state. Uh, that whole area that is flooded with uh, consciousness looking for forms. How do I know that? I don't know it. I'm looking at it. So Grindavi, you seem to care about us, to love us. How is it that that is a strong, that shows up so strongly in you and yet we are vividly unreal? How's it look at you? You work with people all the time, don't you love them? I see myself having an agenda and wanting to fix them. Do you fix them? I don't know. Is that a problem? When it comes to getting paid, it is. How much money do you need? Not a lot. Solve that problem. <laughs> You're probably not going to get a lot. But it's the intention. This comes back to it's the intention. The intention will take you right out of this world without going anywhere. That's the intention. It's not the accomplishment of uh, attaining Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi. Finally, I finally attained enlightenment. Oh, it's so hard. It was really hell back there when I was really working hard on this. It's hell right here. Good at the beginning, good in the middle, good at the end. This is the Dharma. It's not something you believe in. It's something you see vividly, and it's unreal. A follow-up question from Semi. Semi. How do I work with physical pain in practice? So it's very situational. It depends on so many things insofar as you can. Uh, if you can take aspirin, of course. If you can find a way to, to stop the, the nerve ending pain, of course. If you can do that without too much manipulation. But also, if you can't, then just do your best to receive it. And uh, we all have pain. We all have we have nerve endings. You, some people maybe have migraines, which are horrible. I've not had one, but I know people that have had intense migraine, migraines, so they can't even stand up. It's so painful. Not to mention all the other kinds of pain 
from open heart surgery to to arthritis to on and on and on. It's just painful. And specifically in your situation, which I can't, and maybe if I talk to you a little bit about that, maybe I might have some ideas, but I think you're probably, you probably know exactly in your, what brought up the question, uh, work with a consciousness that is, uh, is receiving that and don't, uh, don't necessarily go into some kind of warfare with it. Again, I'm not saying don't take a painkiller if you need to, just like someone who's meditating, uh, practicing meditation might come and say, uh, is it okay if I have a therapist? I said, do you want a therapist? Yes, I think I need a therapist. I, said, I would trust you have a therapist. If you can do this without a therapist, good. The meditation teacher is not a therapist. This doesn't mean that you might not need to talk to somebody who can help you work with the nuts and bolts part of your karma, the causes and conditions that uh, were happening with you when you were age four. I think that can be addressed takes a long time through sitting practice of meditation, through uh, uh, studying under a true teacher. True teacher, someone who's teaching out of what they see, not their accumulation of knowledge, although they might use that knowledge in some way to support the teaching. You have to say something. That's how it looks. Shoka. Shoka Bang, when you say that a meditation teacher or meditation instructor is not a therapist, what is helping somebody that isn't a result? That isn't a result? Be in relationship with them, how it shows up for them, meet them where they're at. Not meet them where they're at with a, with a boatload of opinions about what their problems are or what their, what their uh, anything about them. Any interpretation or thought patterns or judgment or evaluation about anybody else, don't do it. Don't meddle. Whereas possibly a therapist might be doing something that I might call meddling, but it also might be based on the relative situation that they're looking at. But it's always so intensely situational. It seems to work uh, much more smoothly, you could say, in the relative sense. If someone has had a lot of mind training that knows better than to jump right in somebody's mind stream with a hammer and tong, thinking that, um, like my when I was having uh, uh syndrome on my wrist, I went to a surgeon who just, without even talking to me about what was happening, went in and said, well, I think this is uh, arthritis and stuck me in the thumb and made it worse. So didn't bother to talk, interact with me at all about it. So receive, receive, receive. And then if you have to do something, if you need to do something, if something needs to be done in a relative sense, which that's the only way to do anything is relatively. You can't do anything ultimately. <clears throat> or? Shogun, it seems like there's the looking for results of looking to see if somebody is being helped. And there's also the looking for results to see if you're the one who is functioning as the meditation instructor is meeting somebody where they're at. So what does it mean to not to intend without results when you're looking for some kind of validity of meeting somebody? What does it mean, you say? How do we work with the... So think of what you're saying. Let's go back to this. How do we work with? We can, I can apply that to anything. The way you work with it is train your mind to see clearly so you're, so you're not just settling for some kind of judgment or idea or evaluation based on relativity. Because if you do, then you'll put some people in the good category. These are successful. This, and you'll, your own activity, you go back and think, well, this is good that I did here, but this over here wasn't so good. You'll continue to sort the politics of experience until you find the right way to act and the right way. There is no right way. Receive, receive, receive. And then any action that comes out of your vocal cords will be coming out of reality, not because you're such a great guy or being, but because you aren't anybody and you realize it. You actually realize your true nature, which is what? Not much. No experience. More? Joke 
So if we're not realized and somebody's coming to us, how do we help when there's still some kind of a right and wrong mentality? Well, just just be aware of the right and wrong. You can't get rid of that. I, I've not gotten rid of anything. I still, right and wrong thoughts show up here all the time. They're welcome. They can do whatever they want. I have a big playground over here. Real big. No, not that big, but pretty big. Well, yeah, probably that big. More? <laughs> How do we meet somebody in their confusion? Yes. While we are confused. That's how you do it. Don't get rid of your confusion. You can't meet someone who's confused if you're the, the wise one who is not confused. Be the confusion. Be the, the jealousy. Instead of getting back and try to convince somebody that they shouldn't be jealous. Be the jealousy that's coming your way. Be the anger. Be the confusion. Defend nothing. What we do is we offer something. There's a way to train your mind. This is this is what my teacher gave to me, and this is what I'm giving to you if you are interested in it. It'd be the confusion. You'll know how that's going to show up because you'll feel like you're losing What's being lost? The illusion that you're somebody. It's threatening to start to not get it. Or start to, what if I say something that is dharmically not true? Or what if I, the person comes to me for, for help and I kind of see what's going on, but I'm trying to not meddle. And so therefore I... I clutch down on my on my vocal cords instead of allowing them to be very soft, but you don't hook them up. Further questions? Any any more questions on Zoom? I can't see everyone. There's 48 people on here, uh, at least uh, 48 screens. So if Michael there's something. Go ahead, Michael. Our delusions, our feelings, and everything. It seems like we've been taught to see them as separate from ourselves. Aren't you saying, are you saying that they are part of ourselves? And to see that they are part of ourselves, part of our DNA? No. I'm sorry? I said no. What the question? It, didn't didn't my fear of the snake that's not there come from an ancient past? Perhaps. Uh, but speculation is a big merry-go-round. Is there a past? Yes, there's a memory of being in the other room two days ago. There's memory of that. That's how we keep this whole thing going. This I'm getting somewhere. I'm falling behind. I'm getting ahead. The whole world is operating out of materialism of various sorts. <clears throat> Go ahead, sir. Um, that phrase vividly unreal keeps. Um, is that. Is that pointing to luminosity and emptiness? Yes. Luminous. Luminous emptiness. And also, it's also pointing to all, all of those polarities that are addressed that way, like uh, the, the grasping itself, another. Or another one that's, uh, is a, a co-emergent, co-emergent when confusion, delusion, and all that arise. And at the same time as wisdom, they both come up together. You can actually think of that every time you gasho or come to this Anjali mudra, this position. You're bringing this together, just symbolically. Do that. 
it doesn't need to be brought together because it's not separate. So you're always in Anjali. Go ahead. What is luminosity? Light. What do you want to know? Sort of bowing, um, in the in the relative sense of the teaching of emptiness, it seems pretty easy to contemplate that, like to reflect on how things are empty of our imputation. But the the concept of luminosity doesn't show up like that for me. Like I don't know how to contemplate that or reflect on it. I'm wondering if there's another way that you could say what luminosity is pointing to. Light. Luminous. Luminous just luminous is a it's not the conventional kind of light, it's just that it's luminous. It's 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 vividly, it's luminous, vi vividly, unreal in emptiness, yet there's still form. So you're opening your car door, luminous, vividly unreal in emptiness, and yet don't catch your finger in that door. You'll find out what form consciousness is taking in terms of nerve endings. Uh, like Shodo, I'm also stuck in that difference. <laughs> um, so the way you responded to Shodo and Junshu previously was to differentiate our the way we react to vividity. And is this is the vividity about the reaction? The vividity. About is the difference between a person who is seen through and is not seen through, meaning they are very clear or very vivid about the uh, uh, about the reaction as well. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. I was, anyway, I, I can't. I don't know how to formulate a question, but got something residual there. I'll come back. Wow. Thank you. A question from Jeremy in Portland. Jeremy, that's Semi's partner. But I forgot. Didn't forget. Go ahead, Jeremy. Is everything we experience partial truth? Yes, it's relative truth. It's it's got its right side and shadow side, and we're just that's when we get into trouble conceptually if we start trying to figure out what luminous is or figure out what emptiness is calculate it so we have an understanding that goes beyond what that is pointing at all words all language is pointing to some quality or some situation or some understanding in different ways so just like a, a recipe is not a meal simply put to use that kind of a metaphor when you say we are insignificant, are you saying that um, our body-mind complex compared to consciousness is insignificant, Bowen? When I say <laughs> it's not about you, that kind of thing like that is insignificant, is that relatively speaking, you're nobody. There isn't any, there's, there's no solid being anywhere. That just shows up, keeps separating out into beings, whether they're in the intermediate state or they're living beings or the beings that are trying to be born or beings that are passing out of birth back into um, that the consciousness that is not uh, taking up these kinds of solid forms. So when I say insignificant, is you're like uh, the way Trunk Rinpoche would talk about that to help people understand that is you're like a grain of sand. So it's, uh, it's acknowledging the apparent showing up, here I am, but in this, uh, not only but, but and in this realm, you're, you're just no one. Someone that uh, 400 feet from here going uh, uh, northeast, there's a spot where someone stood 400 years ago. They might have been very important right then to the people around them. But they're insignificant there. It's a grain of sand. 
it's like the, what, the overall scheme of things, you could say it, something like that. But to realize that now, while you're actually embodied and while you're here, this actually opens up that dimension of consciousness that you actually are, which is consciousness only. No longer still a body, still still have headaches, still have a broken wing or whatever, but, but no imputation of some solid being standing here on the planet at the same time you feel gravity. You acknowledge that. But your, your, your true nature is, to use a relative description, is way beyond that. It's so far beyond that you can't find, uh, there's no roadmap, roadmaps for it. There's no proof. I sometimes say I don't need proof for this. I'm looking at, I'm looking at, I'm looking at it. What I, what I was looking for, no, I'm looking at it. If you want to call that realization, have at it. I don't care. Go ahead. So when we're on the cushion and you tell us to hold still, we're holding our form, this body-mind. Yes. As still as we can. Is, the, um, is that to see that consciousness? Yes, it's to get us closer and closer to our fundamental nature, which is consciousness only. The body is just uh, is here, and it has all these nerve endings, and everything is constantly screaming at you. You're here. You're in a room. Uh, it's really hot today. It's really cold today. You, you're really hungry. So the imputation of being some solid being, a body-mind complex. But as Dogen said in the 13th century, I can go back and find this kind of understanding showing up in the in the instruction of other teachers, drop off body and mind. He didn't say get rid of it. He's saying the attachment to, to your mind as somebody, some, somebody going somewhere. You can liberate yourself right this moment. You might not be able to do it unless, unless you have years of sitting practice where, you, where you've not grasped, rejected, or ignored whatever's rising in the mind stream. That's what Shikantaza is about. That's, that is, if you need, needed a reason, which not that you do, that why I don't emphasize Shamatha Vipassana or other form of deity yoga necessarily, is I think the fundamental situation, you have to see it. And start, let's start out by just looking at that. Just look at this. Just feel this. Just smell this, taste this, hear this. Just this, just this. As it is. What about when we're on the cushion? Are we just seeing how our body limits us? Limits? We're, we're looking at the obstruction. Looking at the obstruction. We're looking at the emotion. We're looking at the the. the uh, it's so uh, contagious because as soon as one thought is grasped, rejected, or ignored, then then the whole panoply of causes and conditions, uh, causes and conditions, and all of your karma starts to come through that one little peephole. Tries to, I'm me, I'm me, and this happened and that happened, and now this is happening, and I should have done this, and when they told me this, I shouldn't have agreed with that, but I did, and therefore I, this happened and that. It just floods us with, with a, a history, and it floods us with, with some kind of a, an intention to, to continue to go and protect ourselves and keep our our uh, uh, melodrama going. Sharon Bowing. Sharon. Do vividly unreal dreams help us learn about our kind of our day-to-day -day life uh, being vividly, vividly unreal and vice versa? They could. They could. It's going to show up differently with different people, depending on the karma. Just like everybody, everybody has a hand, everybody has a fingerprint, but they're all quite different. So the way in which you're operating or working with dreams, uh, sometimes I think it's for some people. I don't think this is a something everybody has to do, but you might want to take a year and a half or two years or four months and just write down your dreams every day. Every day, wake up, sit up, write it down. Even if it's uh, uh, had dreams, but I can't remember them, or no dreams that I know of. Or I had a dream about um, uh, a pile of leaves. Uh, I had a dream about um, somebody chasing me. Uh, and it may, it may get, when you do that, then it may trigger a further 
memory. And what, what I understand, my understanding of that is that what you're doing is you're working in uh, layers of consciousness uh, that, are, that are occurring when the body-mind is not moving. So other things are moving there. It has to do with your karma. And there's a random quality to it that uh, that if you saw deeply into what it was, you'd see it's not exactly random. It's not exactly just whatever shows up. No, it's dependently arisen. Any item, any any toothache, uh, any movement of your finger is dependently arisen. It has no fundamental source. If you see it, uh, then you'll then the whole grasping, rejecting, and shutting down will begin to recede without you doing anything at all. Thank you. You're welcome. Another question from Isaac. Isaac. I often hear people, but don't follow them. Is this still receiving? I often hear people, but don't do what? Don't follow them. So... Follow the what they're talking about, or listen to what they're talking about. I think that's what you're saying. If you hear them, but don't, are you saying uh, you hear them, but you don't listen to them, or you don't pay attention, or you kind of know there's a voice there, or is is that I, I, other other than that, I I don't know how to respond, other than say no. My guess would be he hears what they're saying, but he doesn't follow what they're saying. Okay, then are you going to interpret for him then? Okay. Okay, if you think that what Junchu thinks about what you're thinking, <laughs> and if I, and if what I'm thinking about what Junchu is thinking that, that she's thinking about what you're thinking, then yes, you're following. Makes sense to me. Makes perfect sense. Yes, you are. Give, don't give it another thought. <laughs> it's kind of a little transcendental humor there. Yes, any further questions? Wulong bowing. Wulong. You said uh, earlier and a few times before that it uh, it it could get worse. It yes. may get worse when you practice, which I actually find encouraging. Um, is... Um. Is there a, um, how is the intensity of nerve endings related to uh, the level of receptibility? Well, the downside of, of receiving uh, suffering is it's painful, it's difficult, whether it's in the mind stream or if it's uh, uh, in, your, in your muscles or in your bones or, or whatever that pain may be that uh, it has been said that some, you know, we experience some mental anguish over something is it's almost like we'd rather have physical pain than that because physical pain, actually, we we can receive that. But the mental situation is just so it's so tempting to try to squelch that, shut it down, talk ourselves out of it, whine or complain or scream or wh whatever we may be, or just say, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to end my life. Uh, quite a big misunderstanding of what's going on there. Uh, and so, not a good idea to go that direction. But so, if you're truly receiving, you're you're not necessarily going to know it. You might have a feeling, you might have an understanding, you might even have some kind of a concluding a aspect of consciousness that is where you're seeing that you're not really shutting things down. That you're 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 just there's a, a just a willingness to give me this or bring. It's not a, not like a macho kind of bring it on lock and load or something like that. It's not a, it's not a warrior kind of thing that some teachers, a trumper image uses the warrior image. I don't care for that. I saw too much of that stuff. Warrior, warrior ideas are, it might've worked a few years ago, but and maybe they'll work. Maybe, you know, if, if I'm not saying you shouldn't, if that makes sense to you, maybe, maybe that metaphor, that um, idea, uh, too, too much uh, violence there. Wulong bowing. Um, 
the origination, part of the origination of my question was uh, that people get labeled uh, about too sensitive, you're too sensitive, you feel. And um, I was wondering about the, the relationship between when, when there's an intensity of shit, for lack of a better word, is that an indication of my openness and receptibility? Very likely could be. Somebody's been meditating as long as you have, but 10, 15 years, I don't know exactly how long, but a long time, uh, probably then just because you get upset or you get reactionary or you uh, tend to express your discomfort with something, it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. There's no mistake. I'm not, I'm not saying to try to suppress something or be different or not have nerve endings or, or come to some kind of conclusion that your nerve endings should be um, not feeling bad because you've been meditating all this time. Or, uh, those kind of things tend to happen. But however it feels, that's how it, whatever it feels like, that's, that's what it is. You don't have to go back and find out why. You don't have to go ahead and find and, and look at your clock to see when it's going to come to an end. So it's just that. Since one of the ways that I say this is this could get worse. It could get more put upon, more difficult, especially if uh, when death comes without warning or death may, death may come with foghorns. Could all kinds of all kinds of warning and you're going to just slowly go back into the elements. Go ahead. Isaac clarified his question. Who did? Isaac. You mean you didn't do a good enough job on it? <laughs> He's going to clarify it. <laughs> he says, the words don't register, although I'm listening. Is this still receiving? Yes, it is. And this doesn't mean, uh, this doesn't mean that I would respond that way to everyone, but I know you, uh, I've met you. Uh, I know how long you've been meditating. I understand some of the things that you, you personally are dealing with in your life. And so I would say to you, definitely to someone else. Um, I might ask, I wouldn't even respond to someone else just saying that right away. I might have some questions around that. Generally speaking and specifically speaking to you. Yes, you are. All you have to do is listen. You don't have to understand. Big misunderstanding with this, uh, the, 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 uh, the whole circuitry of, of knowledge, the whole way we, in which we learn is a big misunderstanding. I'm not trying to turn into some kind of a super educator or something, but the, our idea of understanding and education is based on control, is based on correct and incorrect, right and wrong. If you haven't noticed, further questions? Another question from Jeremy. Is there anything that is fundamental truth? If so, what is it? Well, not separate it would be a relative way of expressing that you can't find another thing anywhere. The, 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 uh, uh, the, the singularity of things is, is an illusion. It's and the way it's talked about is it's Pratitya Samapada dependent origination been talked about that way for a long time, way before Western science even got close to it. And they haven't understood that either. And it has to be understood through consciousness, not through some kind of elaboration we call a scientific fact. That may show up someday, but not yet. Go, on, go ahead. When you're bowing, um, in that verse that you read, whatever is seen with the eyes is vividly unreal, yet there is still form. Yes. Other than receiving, is there any other, anything else that? No, that's the path. That's the path. And, and this is why we use uh, these uh, um, repetitions of chanting this, of saying this, bringing our whole body, uh, gesture of our body, the position of our body, and our speech. We bring this over and over and over and over again because the causes and conditions that cause us to be believe in this cave of demons that we are in here is so powerful that we believe this is true. It's just we believe there is someone 
because of the fear, because of the unknown, because of the otherness that seems so threatening, more so to one person than another because of dependent origination that goes back, what, millions of years, if not 350 years or 1800 years or whatever, you can go back and find all kinds of this happened and that happened and this happened and then that happened. But the most important thing to do here is take this mind, this daily mind, that this, this, this one who awakens to a relative situation, take that mind. You don't have to be a Buddhist. You don't have to join me. You don't have to ever pay any attention to what I'm saying or any, what anyone is saying. You can find this out. It's less likely that you're going to understand what this is because it is, can be terrifying to the ego that has not been seen to be unreal. It's when the ego is unreal. This is when you really get, when you see that there is no self, this is when you get really overloaded. This is why Ramana Maharshi, when he awoke at the age of 18, uh, had, went into retreat for 20 years, went into a cave and stayed there. He didn't teach anybody anything. Jason Bowen. Jason, go ahead. Yes. Um, how do I go about living my life with the knowledge that this might all be unreal? Bowen. Well, just, just continue. Keep having breakfast or whatever you do. Keep do, uh, whatever your daily activity is. Keep, keep practicing. Spend some time where you limit all of your movement to just as, be as still as you can without, without some kind of uh, control situation. Be as still as you can. If you practice that, eventually you can actually hold still, sit still for quite long periods of time. And that way you're more clear about what is continuing to move in your living room or in your neighborhood or in your hallway or in your mind stream. And you just observe that coming and going. And notice the way you object to some things, agree with other things, and shut down on other things, passion, aggression, and ignorance. You get to know that. You get to know that without doing anything with it. Don't improve. I'm not saying there aren't teachers that talk about this a lot differently. And maybe you should be listening to them, not, not this person, perhaps. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to understand what I'm saying. You don't have to do anything. You can continue to do whatever you're doing. No success story anywhere. Ondo Bowling, is there a way we can ask questions kind of backing up from our concepts? Give me an example. Well, like the, um, I'm trying to think of the one that I had asked earlier about um, the um, insignificance of ourselves. Uh, in relationship to consciousness. And then you, you give an answer, and then I'm wondering if there's a way for me to not go deeper into that vers versus sitting back and having a larger view. I don't know. A question from Eric Peterson. Always feel like I'm a moment from being there. Clearer and clearer, still never quite there. How do I take the last step? <clears throat> so the assumption is there's a last step. And there is an assumption that clearer and clearer is through a contrast. That's just relative truth. Become more clear. You're not going to become clear about clarity. You can only become clear about confusion and delusion and the obstructions and passion, aggression, and ignorance. Become clear about that. That will not be particularly pleasant. A question from Marco. What do you mean with sitting still without control? Is there a last name there? B-U-I-J-S. I think he might be in the Netherlands. Okay. Marco, so read that question again, please. What do you mean with sitting still without control? Okay, a little bit of control. And the control is sit still, sit in a symmetrical posture, but and, and don't maintain it. Don't get rigid about it. 
sort of sit as still as you can. And then that's what, why they call it a practice. Each time you sit still, you'll notice you'll be able to sit longer and longer periods without particularly clamping down on yourself. If you do that, then your body's going to fight back and it's going to set up a polarity, a little tiny warfare with your body trying to get yourself to sit still. So hold very still and then return to the stillness. If you start to slouch a little bit, return. You start to, if you just, if you feel like you have to get up and go to the restroom or go get a cup of uh, whatever, uh, or even look out the window, then do that. Respect what's happening in your body rather than try to clamp down on it and control it and be a good meditator. There's no such thing as a good meditator. And so to go back into your question a little bit, once you're sitting there in a symmetrical posture, possibly with this uh, mudra or with resting in the mind mudra, either way it's fine as long as it, you just continue to do it that same way. I wouldn't go back and forth uh, too much, if at all. Sit still, sit symmetrical. Watch what watch the asymmetry of the mind this way. If you're sitting very symmetrical, since mind and body are not two separate things, they are separated, but they're fundamentally not, not separate. You might not find out what that is until there's no longer a, a physical form. So with that being said, look at the whole issue of control. Look at what is being controlled. Are you controlling? Are you trying to control? Are you looking for results? All of that stuff is going to come and go in the mind stream. Do nothing with it. Don't correct anything. Don't try to increase the control. Just a very simple sit down, a very simple gesture of just, this is Buddha. This is living in enlightenment. There's nothing else to do. But you might have to watch years of asymmetry of the mind. I'm just going to use that term because I'm using symmetry. So I'm going to use the, the polarization of that. Eventually, there, there won't be any difference between the body and the mind. You will have dropped off body and mind. Take the final question. Do you have a question? Vinya Bowen, just going back to that first um, whatever is seen, and, and you said receive. Is there some something in the thought process though that can trigger the unreality to to bring it forward more? Yes. What fear? Fear. What is the word? Unvarnished undecapitated, uncompromised fear, fear. That is the Buddha. Not separate, it's not separate. There isn't something else. You don't need to get rid of anything. You don't need to get anywhere. You need to see what this is. If you need to say it, maybe even the word need might be extra. As the Buddha said, Life of suffering. The cause is wanting something else, and the path is train your mind, basically, and the goal is uh, cessation. Just a way of talking about it. First noble truth, second noble truth, fourth noble truth, and third noble truth. Cessation of what? Cessation of grasping at itself, grasping at another. Cessation. Not cessation of suffering. There just won't be anyone who suffers. Suffering may come and go. It will come and go. Pain of the composite may may be there, may not be. Pain of the pain of alternation uh, will have dropped its uh, its polarity. The pain of pain, if there's nerve endings, there's going to be the pain of pain. But there's no sufferer. On your mind, what about the pain of the composite? Is that still present? It could be. Could be. Could, it could be some of that still occurring. As long as there's a vow functioning for apparent otherness about a be with all things, 
Well, there have to be, all things have to be there for one to be with that. So that's still path oriented. So there could be some, still some path quality happening for a while. Under balance, when you were saying to Unio, um, more, to, to see more vividly unreal, um, to see, to receive fear. So is there something different between receiving and receiving fear? Re just receive everything, whatever shows up in the mind stream. Don't object, don't agree, don't look away. If you do anything with it, you personalize it and you you buy into or you build up or you reinforce or you give nutrition to uh, a self, even if that self is quite kind and, you know, brave, plain and reverent. You're still giving nutrition to the polarized area of that. Well, don't do anything with it. Okay, I guess we can close. Thank you so much. May the mayor of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill that. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.